Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Na 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 na. I want to tell you a story. Na 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 na. About a podcast I know. Na 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 na. It's the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Welcome to this missive from the UK Tech Weekly Podcast, the UK's hottest weekly tech podcast, drifting into your head every Friday like the first big weekend of the summer. The UK Tech Weekly Podcast is an infotainment enema from the editors of PC Advisor, Tech World, Macworld UK, and Computer World UK. Every Friday, we get the workers of France to down their audio tools and go out on an audio strike protesting against the 12-hour week, standing by an audio brazier, preventing audio ferries from docking in audio ports and setting fire to audio sheep in order to bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed tech chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. Too much, do you think? It's it's on topic because of the European Championships. Uh, Please don't forget to subscribe, review and tell your friends. I am Matt Egan, Editorial Director of IDG UK and today I am delighted to be joined in conversation by the always fun Lewis Painter, staff writer at PC Advisor. Hello. The always fiery Henry Burrell, staff writer of Macworld UK. Bonjour. And the always look on the bright side of life, David Price, acting editor of Macworld UK. All right. This week we're talking Apple, Oculus and Electoral Doom. Fly, my pretties, fly! Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Henry Burrell. Why for some voters did WWW mean... Worst website, woe. <laughs> well, it was, it was news to me because, sensible as I am, uh, I used this website and I thought it was very good. Um, but it brings up a, if we were to shoehorn a techie, techie vibe around it, uh, the website broke the e-referendum sign-up website, which was very easy to use. It was almost like just signing up to an app, really, which uh, kind of nullifies the whole point of it slightly. So th- this um, was a website to which um, people who weren't currently on the electoral roll could go and sign up for the upcoming EU referendum. Indeed. So, yeah, <clears throat> for, my, for me, I wasn't registered. Uh, I moved house in the past year and hadn't actually registered. So it was very easy. You just pretty much put in your details, national insurance number, uh, and it's and it's all sorted. It's very, very easy. Um, but the website crashed 
uh, just before the deadline, which was the 7th of June. Sure. Uh, so it's been extended now by 48 hours, um, just because the, the government has had to admit that their website wasn't uh, up to the traffic. So there was a couple of hours on the evening of that day when the, when the site was basically... <laughs> yeah, when 99% of the country... Tried to register. <laughs> yeah. And there was, there was basically this point at which way too many people for the site infrastructure were trying to get on and it, it, yeah. it fell over. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you... When you, everyone's trying to buy a, a, a gig, a gig ticket at the same time, <laughs> in or out uh, of the, most the boring of the gig of all time. It, is a, it wouldn't be good, would it? I don't know who the headliner would be. But um... hey, I for one hope that there isn't an encore. <laughs> <laughs> and also, encore is French. So. Um, encore une fois. Remember the Brexit uh, pop gig? Yeah, it didn't happen, did it? In the end. It was a real, real sham. Because uh, they all found all out what it was about. didn't realise it was a Brexit gig. Yeah. Okay, so uh, returning to the, the tech side of things, I thought this was quite an interesting story because it, uh, it outlines the fact that online is always extremely convenient. Mm. Um, but then, so for instance, there's a bit of a debate currently about online voting. It sort of makes sense that you should be able to, as you say, easily, because you, your national insurance number is a unique identifier. Um, so you can only register once that, you know, it ought to be the case that people could vote online. But is this kind of thing an argument against that, do we think? It could be in some ways. Um, I think when people talk about uh, turnout for elections uh, and it's always depressingly low um, in major Western countries, I think the last um, general election was maybe approaching two thirds turnout. Um, which is quite good, but there's still people ask, why don't people vote? And is it because it's too hard? I don't think so. Is it because they don't engage with politics? Um, I think that I found it much easier to to register to vote than um, if I'd had to do it manually, but I don't think that's going to change whether people vote or not. I Actually, I was just thinking as you were speaking then, I don't know how I'm registered. I am registered. I Mm. presume it's to do with Payne's council tax. Yeah, I'm in the same position. I thought I thought my wife had registered me. <laughs> um, but then as you were saying about the electoral roll, I am already on it. So that must be why I'm allowed to vote. But it's a bit of a mystery. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing that we're not sure. Um, mm. I think we, we're all going to vote. But I think the fact that it's unclear, I don't think making it digital um, makes it any better. I and think, I think it, just, it, it highlights the number of people that won, that didn't register. Yeah. Uh, I think if if it had been any other system, there still would have been massive logistical problems. Yeah. It's just it wouldn't have been shown up in such a clear way as a, as a website falling over. It would just have been oh, some, some people didn't send it in quite quick enough. The post yeah. didn't deliver them quickly enough, whatever else. Some you know civil servant lost some or whatever. Well, I should say that in the most recent uh, local elections, um, which were entirely... Um, in Barnet. Exactly. In my <laughs> local your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, there were all, all sorts of problems there with people just not being registered manually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I had the experience in uh, my little hamlet that when I went to vote, uh, I didn't have my card with me because you don't have to take the card. And I just had to say my name and my address. But it was clear the list of people eligible to vote was clearly visible to me. Mm. So I could have just been like, yes, I am Mrs. Smith. Uh, <laughs> and I live at 12 Park Road. Um, so it's not as if the current system is entirely flawless. Mm. Uh, it also got me thinking about, so you mentioned um, there are a couple of things where uh, websites have been overwhelmed. Um, so the convenience, the principle of it all working really well uh, has ended up going quite terribly. I had, I had a few different uh, examples 
on my list in the US when the Obamacare quite controversial to them, mm. although it seems really odd to us. <laughs> uh, but, but the idea of some sort of social security healthcare uh, went live absolute disaster because so many people wanted to register actually a good thing sort of politically for Obama yeah. but but a disaster from a technical point of view does everybody remember the uh, 2012 Olympics ticket website because oh, yeah. that, that, that was a total shambles I got nothing in the first round yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody sort of did it just kind of fell over mm. and broke um, one that's close to my heart when we stopped having to use tax discs um, so again, nice. like, broadly similar um, situation. Instead of having to have a piece of paper stuck to your car, which is kind of was always a bit of a point in the system, um, now you just have to tax your car online, and there's a register of all the cars. And if it's not taxed, then the taxman comes after you. But when we first switched that in 2014, the whole system just fell over. Same sort of thing. But it's like what it reminds me of is you know when we get snow. Um, and the train I am aware stops. of it <laughs> and, and, the, and it all stops and people always go oh well in Norway you know they have much worse <laughs> snow um, and they seem to cope with that alright and of course the fact is that in Norway because they have snow all the time then it's economically viable for them to get yeah. all the machinery how do they in. cope with drizzles eh? well, yeah, well exactly <laughs> but, but they have it all the time so they have the machinery we only have heavy snow very rarely so we we have trouble dealing with the sudden change from normal weather to heavy snow and in the same way no nobody can really engineer a site so that it can cope with yeah. 500,000 uh, hits at the same time when it would not get that any of the other time yeah it's kind it's of like a lower we get attack. like we get on iPhone launches, for example, is that there will always be some issues. Yeah, that's true. Sustain yeah. that traffic. And the interesting thing to be, and we'll never find out because this is the way government digital stuff works. You just do never find out. But that's a really good example. So we know uh, the next subject we're coming on to, WWDC. Whenever whenever Apple's announcing something, Macworld UK does get a huge amount of traffic. Um, but we also mitigate for that. Um, and we have all sorts of technical things that happen in order to allow at least most of that traffic to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd just be interesting to know because the suspicion from the outside, and this is something like Computer World covers a lot, is that government doesn't necessarily think in that consumer-driven way about its audience um, because they don't have to particularly because there's no competition. Yeah. Uh, it kind of intrigued me that there was this deadline of June the 7th and then they could extend it by 48 hours, which suggests to me that they didn't need to be deadline in the first place. Well, yeah. it needs to be sort of there needs to be a cut You point. pick an arbitrary cut point, and yeah. in this case there... But there was at least 48 hours worth of grace in that, I guess. Yeah. Because they knew it wouldn't work properly. Possibly, <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, there's also the political element, the thought that the that people who register at the last minute, are they more predisposed to vote for um, status quo, perhaps? You know, because people who want change yeah. are generally mm. more motivated. That's what, yeah, I was thinking about that as well, um, and I don't know if there's any, any truth in this. It was just something that, that I was thinking, and... The whole process of having to vote in the past is admittedly slightly laborious, but only in light of there being perceivably easier options when it's digitised. But I thought maybe the simplicity and the digital nature of signing up to vote, I just hope it doesn't um, trivialise the importance of the choice. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, the problem I have, um, I'm not being the most political person, but it's so binary these days. You have, it's not really like, you know, Labour or Conservative. There should be a lot more... Um, thought put into why you're picking a, a choice, a, like a decision, um, and in this whole, uh, the way the media has taken it. I mean, I know that you can only vote leave uh, or remain, but I mean, I don't think I could explain exactly why I will vote the way I vote, and that's, yeah. that's a little bit scary. And I just don't want the digitisation of it all to make it any worse. Well, from a tech point of view, the the example there is Australia, 
where everybody has to vote and you can vote um, via digital means. Mm. And it's awful. <laughs> Literally <laughs> on the day of an election, you have to vote. If you don't vote, um, it, it's, a, it's a criminal act, essentially. Mm if you're eligible to vote and literally on the day of election you will get local candidates driving people to yeah. the place where they can vote offering, offering them <laughs> chips or you know, a meal. honestly they're not supposed to but it happens yeah um because you've how got, does that work with anonymous voting how do they know that they've done their end of the deal i don't know so do we think then that the convenience of online is great therefore we should be pushing to do more of these things i was thinking about stuff like the passport office you know, which if it works, it's great. You get your passport in a certain length of time. DVLA is the same thing, the driver's license. Yeah. If anything goes wrong, though, you're not speaking to a human and it's much more difficult to resolve. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong in a bit of human contact. <laughs> you <laughs> need somebody to just like, yeah, they, they can see your face. You're not lying, you're that person and it just gets done. <laughs> yeah. I think... Um, Democracy in whatever form has, has has managed without it this this far. I think I think it's good to like sign up to this sort of thing, but I still don't think you should be able to vote online in this country. Interesting. I like the way they do it in the Night's Watch. Oh, they have, the, <laughs> they have the triangles and they put them on the little abacus. Then everybody can see who's going to be the Lord Commander. I don't, I don't know, what know what that is. Is it, is it a board game? What are you talking about? It's Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones. We... Thrones, right? So it's not a democracy anyway, is it? Well, no. it's not Game of. The Night's Watch is Parliament. a democracy, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, I think they, I think we should digitise this stuff. I think it's about time. We okay. can use the blockchain. That's something we've talked about before. It is indeed. That yeah. increases the uh, accountability of everything. I'm glad this uh, foam screen's here between you and Henry in case you start <laughs> leaping at each other and tearing at it. Because That's of our sound... political differences. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's resolve this. Let's go around the room. The site is right, or the Luddites were right. Get that sight out of my sight. <laughs> right. Henry. The latter. <laughs> the Luddites were right. Get that sight out of my sight. Right. right. Uh, David Price. The sight is right. The sight is right. Lewis Painter. The sight is right. Interesting stuff. Okay, we'll take a short break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about games. Silly games. Silly games, silly games. Lewis Painter, we've given big props to the HTC Vive Prey on this pod, but you've been spending time with Oculus Rift. How was it? It was interesting. I was, uh, I mean, because we've spent so much time with the HTC Vive recently, um, I feel like I kind of spoiled the VR experience for myself a little bit. Because Interesting. I mean, in my opinion, the HTC Vive is the best one that you can get at the moment because you can walk around in the environment you can you know reach out and touch things and all this kind of stuff and it's all great uh the oculus rift on the other hand is standing only or slash sitting and you have an xbox slash one sitting slash <laughs> sitting <laughs> uh, and yeah you just use an xbox one controller so it's just like a standard game where you just kind of look around um yeah no but it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be because i can't imagine you know a, a very immersive game being just standing still but this is really interesting because I, I kind of i expected you to come bouncing back from your oculus experience in the same way as you've been so excited by hcc vive yeah. um and not least because oculus kicked off this whole most recent vr yeah i know I, i've been rooting for oculus for a long time and i think they will be able to compete with the vive once the oculus touch controllers come out uh which is supposed to be the end of this year 
and that will enable the kind of functionality that the Vive has, where you can reach out and touch things and you know actually shoot things with your hands instead of using an Xbox controller. <clears throat> and the uh, founder of Oculus has claimed that the Rift can do room scale tracking, or uh, but on a smaller scale than the Vive can do. But they're not saying much about it at the moment because what's the point when you've got an Xbox controller? Yeah. Uh, but I imagine that by the end of this year, once the touch controllers come out, it will be better. And I think I want to revisit it once you know everything's available because at the moment I don't think it's the full Oculus package. But then. What's happened here then? How did HTC manage to steal this uh, march on Oculus? Well, I've, been, I've been thinking about this recently because it was for ages. It was just Oculus, Oculus, Oculus. And we never really heard anything about you know the Vive until HTC still on stage and was like, guys, here we are. Look at this. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, I know uh, Oculus has announced the touch controllers. They announced it when they announced the consumer version of the headset. They announced them both at the same time. So that's always been there. But... I think it's just it's a combination of things. Oculus did take a while developing the yeah. headset as well, and it's all very a long com- while, really, a very long time. Yeah, you know, they just have less resources then because they're a smaller company. They got bought out by Facebook. So uh, going back to you know yesterday when I did go hands on with it, uh, there were some surprises because obviously we've used the, the Vive for quite a while. The Rift headset is a lot lighter than the Vive, which is you know provides a more comfortable experience, but there are some downsides as well because you can see a gap out the bottom of the headset, so oh, you can no. see the floor. That's, that's not immersive. That is not immersive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, you know, the, the display is really high res. You know, it's a really nice display when you're, it's, it's really clear. But if you can see a gap by your nose and you can mm. see the floor, you're never going to have that full immersion. And um, yeah, I just didn't think the fit was quite as nice as, as, the, as the Vive provided. But, the, but, uh, but it's cheaper, right, isn't it? It's £189 cheaper. So, I so, don't they think... are, so they are going for a more accessible level and you have to expect less of a luxury product i suppose but when when you're comparing price tags i don't think 189 pa- 189 pound difference is justifiable for something you know something as amazing as the vive and then compared to the rift yeah i just don't think that that kind of price i mean if the rift was <clears throat> 350 maybe you know I, i'd kind of be like yeah fair play because that's the kind of price that the uh, yeah. playstation vr is going to be when that comes out later this yeah. year but for five hundred pound, I'm I'm expecting a little bit. Well, more. you don't. You never want to be in the middle of one of those things. You either want to be the most expensive, yeah. that's, that's brilliant, or the, the cheap option. You don't want to be in the middle. That's mm. neither. Uh, what about other costs that go with it from a, yeah. a PC perspective? <clears throat> is it the PC, same as HTC? Uh, funnily enough, you require the it has higher requirements than the Vive does, right? Which I felt was, was fascinating. You need at least eight gig of RAM um, to run the. Oculus Rift, whereas you need four gig minimum to run the Vive, and then the uh, Rift also requires USB three, whereas the Vive requires USB two. So, all in all, the Rift requires stronger hardware for something that's not as good. <laughs> and what about the game support? Because I've read a couple of things about yeah, Oculus it's kind of mucking up the game store. Or... It's it's just it's going to be another console war. It's essentially PlayStation versus Xbox. You're going to have Oculus versus, or you're going to have Oculus Home versus Steam VR. But it's a little bit confusing because Oculus users can log on to Steam, buy Oculus Rift content, but then HTC Vive users can't go on Oculus Home and use Oculus stuff. Yeah, but that's so because kind of, of Oculus, isn't it? That's <sighs> Oculus says it's because of HTC, HTC because it says it's because of right. Oculus. It's just this massive, confusing thing. And then there was this patch a little while ago that allowed Vive users to play Rift games. Yeah, uh, but they've patched that now, so that's well. That that was the bit I was talking about because so from a um, I forget the name now, but. Um... But essentially, that is Oculus deliberately 
um, preventing Vive users yeah. from accessing Oculus content. Yeah. And that just, I, I was reading that and I was thinking, knowing what you've just described in terms of the pricing, I didn't know about the experience at that point, but that seems like a really dumb move from Oculus because Oculus would make money from mm-hmm. HTC users buying content from the Oculus. Yeah. But also, it would also mean that um, games makers would be more inclined to make stuff for Oculus yeah. and put it in the Oculus store. Um, whereas now, if if they can put something into Vive that can be used by Oculus and Vive, they're going to do it that way mm-hmm. rather than the they're other way around. Doing it, so all of a sudden, it's another thing chipping away at Oculus that means why are games makers going to support? But then Oculus has the upper hand in a way because it has more exclusive games and better exclusive games right. than the uh, HTC Vive does. So it's just this, this massive kind of situation that you need to analyse because you've got things like Lucky's Tale and Eve Valkyrie on the Oculus Rift, uh, which are the two biggest exclusive games that it has but I mean even those I mean I know that E-Valkyrie is definitely coming to the Vive later on this year so it'll be interesting to see once these kind of exclusive barriers are broken down who survives and there's also the point of HTC has done a deal with Valve the owners of Steam uh, to be the only Steam VR headset on the market at the moment but when that exclusivity period runs out it'll be really interesting to see see other people get involved exactly I, uh, I had a quick go on the Oculus yesterday uh, with Lewis, and I'm not much of a, much of a gamer, but I was thinking about it last night, and um, the, I, it was it was cool, and I could see it was cool, but like like uh, Lewis was saying, like I was spoiled by the HTC, um, and in a way, it kind of got me thinking that just like well, when I was younger, I used to play a lot of handheld games. I used to prefer like playing Tetris to like playing you know Grand Theft Auto or whatever, um, which I know is a very good game, but it seemed to me like. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. The Oculus had some amazing graphics, but um, it wasn't actually that immersive, and the experience wasn't as impressive to me as a, a, a fairly. Lewis looks really sad. Now. I know he's shaking his head and kind of. <laughs> but, then, but then, but then on the Vive, something like um, I can't remember the game with the guns and oh, all those things. Space that pirates, aliens, space, space all alien stuff. pirates, whatever. Yeah. yeah, but like that was really cool and probably less graphically impressive to me. And it's almost as if that I, I think like. For consumers, they would prefer the sim- maybe the simplicity mm. of some of those Vive games just because they're so immersive. But 
the barrier to them buying it is like a couple of grand. <laughs> yeah, you're completely right because it's like, why would you ever make anything in black and white now? Mm. Um, it's it's palpably not as uh, uh, as accurate, if you like, but you can get as expert as immersive an experience mm. in the right hands. Or you know, why why do we still have paintings when people can <laughs> can use photography? And and my yeah. experience, I haven't I've used Oculus a long time ago when it was sort of a previous build without HD screens. But the thing about the Vive was exactly that. Like the gra- in that alien space shooter kill death game, whatever it was called. It, <laughs> See, it was, doesn't matter, that's the point. Immersion like, was the point. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of like, oh, this is a really new experience to me because I, I do genuinely feel in this world. And I know I know consciously I'm not, but it was brilliant. It was really say that? I mean, I think on a conscious level, you forget that you're in a room. Yeah. I, well, I feel that when I was working, you know, when I, especially on the Vive, since I put the headset on, maybe for the first 30, 30 seconds, I felt a bit self-conscious because I knew other people were in the room watching me. Filming but beyond you. that, yeah, filming <laughs> me. <laughs> but beyond that, I'm just like, let's go for it. You know, I mean, I remember when I was going hands-on with it before it came out, I played Space Pirates, uh, Trainer, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Killer Death Alien Shooter. That thing. <laughs> and I, I, I physically jumped. Uh, to the side when a bullet was incoming because I just completely forgot that I was tethered to this headset and I had this massive cable at the back of my head and that was almost the second demo unit that I broke. True story. <laughs> does Oculus have the big cable? I was going to ask about that. Oculus does have a cable but it's not as bulky as the yeah. Rift. Okay. It's just got a single cable kind of running out. Uh, it's not as long though. But I mean, I suppose if you're standing you don't really need yeah, a Yeah, you don't cable. have the... Because that's, that's the other thing with HTC, isn't it? That again, was impressive to me was that it sounds... It's difficult to describe but but the... The space within which you can move was clear to me as a user inside yeah. that yeah. experience, but it felt big. It yeah. felt like I could move around quite a lot. Because yeah, when you get near the uh, boundaries in the Vive, you get the uh, mesh yeah. wire on the long side. Just to let you know, you don't want to go any further in case you bump into the wall, which yeah. I've done quite a few times. Now. What would be quite a good thing to do would be to set it up on the top of this building. Uh, so you know, just to prove that it it works, uh, that, that if you go amazing. if you go through that mesh, you fall off the end of the building, and, <laughs> and we'd film it from the outside. We should well, do from that. Below, just yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can we uh, get some interns to do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose if you did that, it would be more immersive because you'd feel the wind. <laughs> you would feel the wind. That's true, yeah. <laughs> be interesting to, as you as you were plummeting, to, <laughs> as you were plummeting to your certain death. What would be showing on the headset, and would you remain immersed in that world? That's the know? question. You'd have so to I've be got falling. a strange falling sensation as I'm. This is very realistic. There is a um, a simulation for VR headset. I'm not sure if it's a Vive or the Oculus, um, but it's it simulates a plane crash, and you can. What? Do it. Oh, no. And as someone with a fear of flying, I feel like it would either cure me of my fear of flying, or probably not traumatize me beyond the point of being able to get on a plane again. Yeah, yeah, that's not cool. Uh, so I don't think I'll be doing that. But if they were using that while they fell off the side of the building. Or while they were flying. Or while they were, oh, while they were flying. Like, that's going to happen, isn't it, thinking about it? There's going to be VR, you know, sooner VR, or later there'll be yeah. VR headsets on planes. Give you your own personal space. Mm. And you're not supposed to, uh, well, for exactly that reason. So if you can give someone, it's an entertainment experience, mm-hmm. but it, but you feel outside of that confined yeah. space. That's yeah. actually, because the whole point about entertainment on planes is to keep people calm and stop them thinking that they're in a tube hurtling along. <laughs> A mile above the earth. In yeah, a... I can't think of anything worse than 200 businessmen all watching <laughs> VR, VR porn at 35,000 feet. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> We've got slightly off topic there, I feel. Or on topic. Okay, good. Um, well, let's quickly go around the room, and you have to use these voices, right? Yeah. <clears throat> game on! Or game over. <laughs> Henry. Game over. Ooh, why? 
I don't it's know. your turn. <laughs> he looked up really shocked and like, what, what did I do? I don't understand. Game on. Game on. Lewis. Game on. I was expecting that. There Excellent. You go, of course. Okay, we'll take an extremely short break and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the other big event that's happening next week. Get Mac. Get Mac. Get Mac to where you once belonged. David Price. <clears throat> apple, apple, apple. Apple, apple. Apple. <laughs> WWDC. Apple. Go. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say get Mac because there might not be any Macs. <sighs> That's because uh, <laughs> uh, next week, Monday, the thirteenth of June, we are going to get uh, the start of WWDC, which is Apple's yearly uh, get together for its uh, software developers. So it gets all the people, well, not, not all of them. There's probably all the people, hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah, uh, people that make um, software for the Mac platform or the iPhone or the iPad. Um, in fact, they auction off tickets to this, so only the very luckiest of those people get to come. And then they sort of talk to them about how they're going to change the platform, uh, changes to iOS, changes to Mac OS X, uh, and a few other things. And then they have a, a week of uh, training seminars and things like that. Yeah. And they generally big up their platforms and get everybody enthused about making software for Apple. And uh, presumably that means, and this is in San Francisco, right? Yes, it's in San Francisco, so it starts at 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, but that's 6 p.m. If we've got this right, it's 6 p.m. Uh, British time. Um, they obviously, it's one of those things where, in theory, it's not for us. In theory, they're talking yeah, to these, it's uh, for these developers. developers, but actually, there'll be cameras at the back of the room. They'll yeah. be uh, streaming this live. Uh, you've come to Macworld. We will help you watch it live, and also um, explain what's going on. Um, of course, exactly. We'll we'll give you an independent. Uh, we'll have literally uh, analysis. Uh, li- literally ones of experts uh, <laughs> giving analysis. Um, yes, exactly. And not one of our team will be wearing uh, sort of Gap cargo pants and uh, black rolls, no. as all the audience Quite the opposite. will be. I'll so. be I'll be dressed smartly yeah. in protest against the cash regime yeah. Uh, yeah anyway um so they as i said they're going to talk about ios 10 and mac os for sure uh they may do some other stuff as well um i was looking at the history of wwdc earlier um and in the past they have done some hardware launches i said it's mostly software um but the uh the modern incarnation of the mac pro uh the little dustbin um uh, that launched at wwdc in 2013 uh, they once launched an iphone there do not expect that this year, but the iPhone 3G actually was unveiled at uh, WWDC, and they occasionally do some MacBooks. And we're at, we are due to get a new MacBook Pro because the uh, the MacBook Air, well, the MacBook Air got a, a real sort of a half-hearted um, update yeah. very recently, and the 12-inch MacBook, uh, the MacBook Gap, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> MacBook Gap will be great. MacBook be great. Gap, as long as it's um, beige. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that got a fairly decent update um, which leaves the MacBook Pro so I, I think they probably will unveil something special for the MacBook Pro um, they might they might unveil a new iMac um, and the rumour there is that they're going to have um, AMD graphics chips AMD Polaris 10 graphics chips uh-huh. and the interesting thing there yeah. as you actually pointed out is that um, that should make them VR ready because uh, you know as we were talking about before VR is a very exciting sector of the tech industry at the moment and Macs basically are unusable for VR 
but if they have Polaris 10 chips, which have been designed specifically to be... Yeah. Um, I, I think that could be huge because not only will there, there will be crossover between Mac users and VR intenders, but also it just means that if you really want to get, if you want to get the kit, if you want to get your HTC Vive, instead of having to go and spec up a PC, you can basically, you know you'll be able to buy, it'd be expensive, but you can buy an iMac, yeah. set it up, and it's all there. And, you know, there, there will be some... It's not going to be a huge mass market thing, but there will be some cachet and cool about having that. Well, the design side of it, because I always focus on the gaming side of VR, but I think a lot of people who work in industrial design, for example, are going to use VR to visualise these things, yeah. and they would be, I imagine, more likely to be using a Mac. Well, also creating those experiences as well, because there's a lot yeah, of talk about yeah. when Oculus was first announced, there were lots of talk in the creative industry about uh, experiences. So if you're trying to sell people houses or cars... You, you don't physically have all the products there, but you can give them the experience of interacting with those products. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, Apple Music may... I've been trying to call it Apple Music 2. Nobody else has not really <laughs> caught on. Um, no. But we think it might get um, a reasonably major uh, sort of visual, primarily visual update. At the moment, it's got um, a lot of translucency effects in the interface. Uh, you remember Johnny Ives' big purge of um, uh, sort of visual effects? Not of people. Uh, at the moment, at the moment, Apple Music is kind of busy. So a lot of people think it's going to be a cutback, so it'll just be a black and white interface with um, the artwork for whatever album you're listening to will be will be big, will be front and centre and colourful, but everything around it, the chrome around it, will all be black and white. I'll make a much simpler interface. It sounds, like um, a, sounds like an iPod I had about ten years ago. <laughs> well, these <laughs> things always change it way too much. They go in cycles, don't yeah. they? Um, That's good though. That sounds good. I, it sounds good to me, um, but I don't really. So, do people use Apple Music? No. Yeah, it's, well, it's I been do. it's been a moderate success. Um, I mean, if, yeah, the funny thing is, <clears> it, among MacWorld uh, editors, it's actually got relatively low uptake. We've all tried it, obviously, to know about it. Um, it's it's got. I think did it get ten million subscribers? Pretty weak, pretty early on, um, but it, it gave a little knock to Spotify, right? Early doors, and then Spotify's come straight back from it, and they're they're growing again. Um, so it's not been, it's not been the dominant, it's not been the Spotify killer they hoped for, right? And they, you know, they they have definitely made um, a footprint on the market. They're not tidal, um, but this is because it's Apple. You know, Apple have. They have a user base. They have people with iPhones, and they sort of people will be naturally pulled into the platform through that. I was thinking about this. Do you think this is like part of what we're seeing? People buying okay, they buy iPhones because they want an Apple product, but you also buy an iPhone because you just know. I mean, as indicative of such a large developer conference, that you'll get every single app, and yeah. that because you buy an iPhone and then you use Spotify. Do you think that Apple is actually kind of suffering slightly from trying to introduce its own? Um, its own products in that way. It's, it's nailed the hardware and it's got some of well, its the, own apps. The the um, uh, metaphor, metaphor, the uh, oh, oh, let, <clears throat> books. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Apple was in that situation with books and tried yeah. to compete with Kindle and then made the sensible decision at a certain point that actually, okay, Kindle's the winner in this particular space, so we'll support Kindle and make money out of Kindle, but we're not going to compete yeah, people massively read with that. it. On, on iPhones. Yeah. So, yeah, don't even need a Kindle, but you use Kindle. So Analogy was the word I was looking for. So that's the analogy nice. I would use is potentially, I don't know, you guys are the experts, but potentially <clears> that's <throat> where we are with music streaming. Um, I think they've put a lot into Apple Music. They've made a real big commitment to it. And well, because they make a huge amount of money out of selling music, don't they? So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, they have. 
so this is the other rumor. I mean, this is really far out there. Somebody suggested that they're going to stop selling downloads of music, mm, switch right. entirely to streaming, um, which is which is bonkers. You, you look at the graph of digital music download sales and digital music streaming revenues, um, and uh, streaming has very recently gone above downloads, mm. and it's clearly going in that direction. <clears throat> But this um, is the innovator's dilemma. And this is what yeah. Apple has traditionally been really good at, murdering yeah. its darlings. Yeah. And saying, okay, yeah. it's only going one way. Yeah. We'll give away the revenue for the short term in order to maximise market share in the longer yeah. term. But it's still making Which billions. is what they missed out with on Apple Music. Yeah, usually. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I think, I think they can update iTunes itself as well in correspondence with that. Um, had a little update yeah. recently, didn't they? A little interface change. They switched it yeah. back to how it used to be. They yeah. realised the error of their ways, and it was iTunes is, iTunes is a dog's dinner at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It always has been, really, though, yeah. hasn't it? It's very hard to use. I mean, I, 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 uh, I'm hoping to move house uh, soon, and my wife was saying yesterday that when we move to our new house, I'm not going to be allowed to have my CDs on display in the front room. So I think I've reached that point. So I, and I principally mm. use iTunes uh, to rip CDs, which is an appalling thing to admit on a technology <laughs> podcast. Um, but, yeah, it's it's all, I've always thought it was... a. <laughs> A terrible piece of software to use. Unusual for Apple because it's, mm. it's actually ugly and difficult to use. I think early iTunes was okay compared to the the rival products. But yeah, true. Actually, true. Yeah, yeah. the rivals the rivals have got better and they've got feature creep and they've just made it worse and worse. Yeah, um, it's one of their weakest products at the moment. I'd say. What else are we going to expect at Dub Dub? As you insist on calling it, Dub Dub. Dub um, So iOS ten, <clears throat> uh, which might not be uh, as big an update as it has been in the past. Because uh, you'll all remember, of course, iOS 9.3 was uh, was a biggie. So we think maybe we gonna... discussed it in this very podcast. We certainly did, and we're gonna. They, we think they're gonna get more of a sort of steady, uh, steady stream of, of uh, point updates. Is they'll have more major features appearing in the yeah the point nine the point three uh, mini updates, and that yeah. means therefore that ten eleven won't be as earth-shattering. Uh, a lot of people are saying that um, finally, and this, I suppose in a way this would be earth-shattering, is that they might let you hide default, um, not default, pre-installed apps, Apple's own apps. Stocks. <laughs> Stocks, <laughs> exactly. Um, because somebody's found that there's some code that they're adding to all the apps in the App Store, which says, um, is first-party hideable app? Um, and then it says, you know, either yes or no, which means that it will therefore be possible for some first party i apple made apps to be hidden and it's still annoying because it's still taking up the, the, the still space actually on your device still on your device um mm. but for the ocd people like me who don't like having a home screen with loads of stuff on it that you can't get rid of then there's that well they've always been able to hide it in a folder and put it on like a third yeah, screen away from it, page so. yeah. i don't know but that's something um maybe dark mode uh, a whole different interface for when uh, it's the night. Um, <laughs> Ninja phone. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's like, but you know what I mean? It's like it's better on the eyes. Because we've got yeah. night shift at the moment and we've got auto brightness. And these are various ways in which they make it sort of automatically more of a pleasant experience. Because you, you do want the screen to look different at night. Like yeah. you have um, with sat navs. Or you might even be, switch you over. know, you might be lying next to your partner. Uh, well, that's true as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but having a, a sort of a default interface that is, you know, a black background or whatever. Um, could be good for that. Battery um, life issues there as well. I, I've got the Galaxy S7 Edge, and it by default, whatever you're doing at whatever time of the day, it changes the brightness of the screen. It's really smart. It means yeah. the battery lasts loads longer. Well, you 
Yeah, I was going to say, well, we have the auto brightness, but this is, this is that's not based on ambient light, that's based on the it's, devices. It's based on what you're doing. So if, doing. if I'm just sort of navigating around the interface, the brightness is like a, a third. Interesting. But if you're then looking at a website or whatever, it kicks right up to the top and it's very, you know. I like that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Steal that. Yeah. iOS 11. Oh, it'll be an iOS 11, I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> iPhone 7. Uh, what, have we, what have we got left? Um, Mac OS, which is being referred to as Fuji, may only be a code name, um, or it may be the name of it. Because um, it's, <laughs> it's sort it of... <laughs> <laughs> um, making my predictions. Because um, that does have a connection to California, but it's not, strictly speaking, a place uh, in California. It's the name of It's the name of an apple which is sold widely in California, but isn't actually what? even from California. It's originally from Japan, hence the OS Japanese Brayburn. name. OS <laughs> uh, yeah, Cox's um, Pippin. So it, more likely it will be named after a place in California, because that's what all the previous ones have been named. Yeah. must be run out of places now, though. Uh, California is a relatively large place. It's quite Matthew. a big place, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but does uh, that, will that give us Siri on a Mac, and does that matter? Yes. Uh, probably, and... Uh, Sort of. I don't know. It depends <laughs> if that's an issue for you. Worst predictions ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm better than Paul the Octopus. Uh, oh, he uh, might be back. Is he back for the Euros? No, he's dead. He died. He died oh, almost rest in, rest in after peace. his moment of triumph. No, he did get it right. He got, it, he got them all right, didn't he? He, got he fulfilled everything. his destiny. Yeah. He yeah. didn't see his own death coming in. Um, but I think a lot of people would like to have Siri on the Mac. It would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. It's it's just one of those things. Some people hate Siri. Some people don't use Siri at all. Um, and I, it's taken me a while to to come to love Siri because you have to learn about the things that it's good at. Like you start mm. off trying to do all the marquee features, and it's not good at that. What it's good for is just set a reminder for tomorrow. It's all the little yeah. the little bits where you'd have to you know do three or four clicks to get to the right app and set something up, and it's really annoying. I think um, it would work well for like hermits. I just can't bring myself to doing it when other people are around. Yeah. But that's better. That's better for the Mac. Because yeah. a Mac, you, you could be in an office, you could be at home. Yeah. An iPhone, you're nearly <clears throat> always out and about, aren't you? So yeah, true. for that side of it, it's probably better. Cool. So um, yeah. we can follow all of this Apple shiz next week on Macworld UK. Macworld.co.uk. Yeah. I was saying the name, you said the URL. They were both Brilliant. correct. Both <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Let's ever so quickly go around the room. Uh, the options are dub dub glee teehee or dub dub wc. Uh, <laughs> Henry Burrell. Dub dub glee teehee. Excellent. Uh, beautiful uh, tone Thank there. You. Uh, David Price. Clearly dub dub glee teehee. Bit more energy would be nice. <laughs> I think. Uh, Lewis Painter. Uh, dub dub glee tee. Nice. Went a bit high pitch. A bit more energy. No, he though. Went a bit high pitch. Tee. Well, all I can say is thanks to the listener for listening to this edition of the UK Tech Weekly podcast. Do get in touch to let us know your thoughts and opinions, and to shake us down for cash, or indeed if you're interested in advertising, or for any reason other than death threats. You can tweet us at UK Tech Podcast or email editor at IDG UK. We will be back next week with more informed and some uninformed opinion on the hottest topics in tech. So until then, say goodbye, guys. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, 
Sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 